Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 41 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is about compliance and technology. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. We are coming to you from beautiful Sicily, Italy. Uh, I will be here for the next two months, and but continuing with my regular podcasts. Today, we're going to discuss compliance and technology We've all been hearing about cutting-edge technologies, blockchain, artificial intelligence, data analytics, and other magic bullets for compliance programs and other uh, areas of the economy. The technology and compliance confluence is most significant, in my view, in the regulated in- industries. And we're now hearing a new term, and at least new to me, uh, called reg tech. And in the financial interest industry, reg tech is focused on monitoring and screening large numbers of transactions for anomalies. And this is where uh, artificial intelligence comes in, has significant benefits. Uh, It's able to analyze large numbers of transactions and identify, uh, you know, potential suspect uh, transactions. We've also heard a lot about artificial intelligence and the boon to compliance. Uh, This is especially true when it comes to the financial industry and its need to cull and analyze uh, a large number of transactions. Uh, But let's talk about artificial intelligence a little bit more and dig down on it, because we also see benefits of artificial intelligence or claimed benefits with regard to due diligence searching and searching large amounts of information. Uh, The processing power of computers is definitely increasing rapidly and reaching the point which people describe as artificial intelligence. And it means that uh, machines that think and learn on their own, not in this you know, science fiction concept. And, and what exactly is the promise of artificial intelligence for compliance, and what can it actually do for a compliance program on a practical level? So let's push aside the artificial intelligence uh, in the science fiction system that learns on its own, and ultimately, in uh, you know Stanley Kubrick's fa- famous movie Space Odyssey, takes over the uh, the spaceship and the running of the spaceship. So, for compliance programs, what we're talking about is artificial intelligence systems that process large amounts of data quickly. Um, most importantly, they find associations between pieces of data to draw conclusions based on the data. Now, obviously, in the financial industry, there's a lot of help that they need in screening a large number of transactions, let's say, from money laundering, market manipulation, insider trading, and third-party payment risks. Transactions uh, also can be viewed for fraud or other indicators of misuse of funds. Uh, It has a definite application in the due diligence concept when you're looking through vast amounts of, let's say, media information or reporting uh, information about individuals, about companies, uh, and you look for sort of word associations uh, that may quickly sort of uh, call up or, you know, you can find uh, quickly the most relevant uh, potential media responses or information with regard to an individual or an entity. So it's helpful 
in the due diligence concept, um, and the more that it is legitimate in terms of not just a claim of artificial intelligence, but it actually has a learning system where associations and are then developed, uh, it becomes even more uh, vital, I think, to the due diligence arena. One of the areas where I'm most excited to learn and watch a lot more is blockchain technology. And the reason is the real significant promise for compliance programs. Uh, blockchain, to me, if it becomes uh, affordable, uh, cost-efficient, is, uh, is to me the wave of the, of the future for compliance in many important functions. So as of today, however, the blockchain is still relatively expensive. Uh, but, you know, like anything, the cost will come down in time. Uh, there have been some issues or hints of issues with regard to security issues, but I don't believe that's with the blockchain so much as it is with, with the application, uh, for example, in the cryptocurrency area and uh, failure of people to develop you know, appropriate security for exchange activities and people have their crypto accounts stolen. So that's not so much because of blockchain, but it's more uh, because of the use. It's what is built on top of the blockchain. Um, blockchain is premised on the idea of a distributed ledger technology. And so, for example, the way I think about it, trying to simplify it, is in our current economy, transactions occur between an inter intermediary uh, there's always a third-party intermediary, such as a bank, PayPal, or other you know, financial-type uh, functions. For example, when I make a payment to a supplier and those payments are then made using a bank to wire ACH or electronically transfer funds or use a paper check. So the distributed uh, ledger technology gets rid of that middle person. It becomes almost to uh, like a peer-to-peer um, financial system. So, and it offer, and the way it works is um, a limited environment uh, will have, you know, if you get access to the blockchain, will have access to a blockchain for purposes of making certain transactions and then recording them. And this has real serious implications. I mean, in, incredibly efficient. Um, uh, characteristics and results that can come about. Blockchain offers some interesting characteristics also. In a closed environment like I'm talking about where you have a, a group of acceptable people who have access to it, um, everyone has access to the blockchain reporting system then permitting everyone to add a quote-unquote block that represents a specific type of transaction could be a financial transaction or the transfer of a product from one location to another. And I saw an example of this with regard to a supply chain, and it really was mind-boggling uh, in that sense. Each block, when created, is immutable, meaning it can't be changed. It exists forever. The only way to amend a transaction is to add another transaction that could correct for the earlier transaction. The implications of this as a record-keeping system is significant because a distributed ledger then can be maintained and then easily monitored in real time. In other words, you could, as a compliance uh, practitioner, you could monitor the blockchain for certain transactions. Auditing can occur as the transactions come in and are added, and you can set up rules 
under which there would be notifications. So, for example, you wouldn't have to go back and look over the last 60 transactions that occurred over 60 days. You would already have access to it. You could set up the rules in advance for what you're going to be looking for. So you're not like looking at a historical record. What you'll do is you'll get real-time notifications as to um, uh, types of transactions that may violate certain rules. And so those uh, rules are set up for notifications, let's say, as to types and amounts of transaction and compliance, legal, audit, or anybody with access to the system will have the ability to set up, in, in fact, a real-time monitoring system. Um, so you don't require a review of a large number of transactions then to, you know, use that to find specific transactions for, for you know, follow-up. So imagine keeping a gift registry or other entertainment transactions uh, on a blockchain. You know, if a block, uh, for example, if somebody sought to get money to pay for a gift and they didn't have approval and it wasn't approved in the blockchain in that block, uh, then the red flag would go off and it may be you could set up a rule to prohibit the transaction. So a blockchain uh Technology already exists to establish contract systems, uh, and this is one another area that's really interesting. So transactions that occur pursuant to a contract must conform to the contract rules or it will be flagged. Again, this is a much easier way to audit and monitor financial transactions, and most importantly, tying such uh, transactions to a specific contract and amount um, and making sure that the transaction complies with the requirements of the contract. These are the future technologies that compliance programs uh, will embrace over the next five years, maybe even 10 years. Who knows? May, it could be even a shorter period of time. Uh, I've always been surprised at how quickly it moves. But what about technology in today's compliance world? I'm talking about two-day, two meaning two-day. Uh, and what solutions uh, exist right now that are available and within the realm of possibilities? And what kinds of technologies make sense for companies with limited budgets and resources? And the first and most significant in my view, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about it, is the availability of automated solutions. Getting away from paper is the first step to move into technology. Uh, and there are two areas, I think, where automated solutions uh, make sense, or actually three areas, and should be leveraged as easily as possible. The first being uh, management of third-party risks. Uh, the second being gifts, meals, entertainment expenses. And the third being just a general uh, GRC policy management type of platform. Uh, that everybody should be uh, looking at and working on. So let's start with some of these uh, and go down, you know, in order of what I've talked about. But every company, in my view, should be implementing some kind of automated solution. And that does, doesn't mean that you're using a screening system, uh, using a database system uh, to check your third parties, but automating a solution for managing third-party agents, distributors, professionals, nominees, customs, logistics people, vendors, and suppliers. And procurement and vendor onboarding has to be integrated into whatever third-party risk management system is adopted. You can't have two silos, one being procurement doing it one way 
and third-party agents being done another. To me, the benefit is bringing all of that together. And frankly, the guidance from the from the uh, compliance, uh, you know, from the Justice Department and the SEC in this area is procurement should be part of this, uh, should be integrated. So <clears throat> the automated tool has to screen every company, its directors, officers, and don't forget beneficial owners for anti-corruption, AML, sanctions, fraud, security, other risks. And an automated tool, in my view, creates a very important single location for maintaining records and an audit trail, and it creates a mechanism uh, for monitoring. And some of those functions may be rudimentary, but it's a start and an update, for example, of a screening result on a real-time basis so that you're notified if there's a change in status. So uh, somebody, you screen somebody a year ago, and all of a sudden, and they're fine, and then all of a sudden they get added to a watch list or a sanction list, let's say a sanctions list, you should be notified real-time of that uh, change in status. More importantly, though, the single database creates an ability to start to conduct more sophisticated monitoring of your third parties based on risk factors such as country of operation, money involved, and level and type of government interactions. As supply chain risks increase and compliance focuses more on reputational risks, a company has to have a single tool to mitigate uh, risks from agents, distributors, professionals, vendors, and suppliers. Compliance also, uh, officers also have to implement real-time solutions. This is the second area that I want to talk about for gifts, meals, entertainment, and hospitality expenses. Companies can, uh, you know, you can't rely anymore on emails and paper systems for pre-approval of certain expenditures and reimbursement of approved expenses. There's got to be a unit unifying approach where you tie together the supervisor and compliance role and uh, approval. And then along tied to that is an accounts payable review of expenditures to ensure that an expense should be reimbursed. So there should be an approval if necessary or following a rule that it, the amount of the reimbursement is below the threshold uh, required for pre-approval. So <clears throat> uh, there are new programs uh, that are also facilitating uh, monitoring of your own employees, uh, obviously for cybersecurity, fraud, social media, which is important, gifts and entertainment, insider trading, and conflicts of interest. Um, these tools are invaluable for monitoring employee conduct, including computer use, emails, texting, and messaging, if you have that capability, and other communication systems. I regularly see and hear about uh, clients who are um, you know, conducting email audits or spot checks, uh, looking at texts. Um, but compliance, in order to get the full benefits of all of this technology and the ability uh, to monitor activities, you have to coordinate, obviously, with your IT people, uh, clearly for cybersecurity type things um, and issues that may come up. Human resources, finance, your security department, if you have one, supply chain, your accounts payable, and uh, procurement departments. Um, and if these, if you're able to build internally some kind of monitoring capabilities or monitoring systems, you have the capabilities usually in any technology, 
uh, be it a financial system or whatever, a compliance officer has to develop then what kind of data do I need, how do I collect it, and use it to build sort of its your own compliance dashboard and then use data from these sources to build uh, a larger picture of corporate employee conduct. So, for example, I would want to know, are there a lot of um, uh, complaints coming in from HR about a particular person? Um, is that person then misusing their computer in some way? Have we conducted an email search to see what kind of activities this person is involved in and what kind of financial activity is this person engaged in within the company? It's all there within the company and pockets of the company. The problem is is organizing and getting access uh, to it. And this is where your GRC sort of dashboard comes in that can build kind of uh, you know relevant um, uh, monitoring systems. Um, and, uh, and, and one other area that I, that I see, uh, is policies and procedures management where companies should devote, you know, their energy to creating and man to maintaining a policy management program. This should be automated as well. The company has to have a schedule for review and modification, if any, of policies so that each policy is reviewed and there's almost a continuous loop going around in terms of uh, the policy management review process. And uh, you have to, to get buy-in on this entire thing. Again, you have to include the business and the operations representatives so that their respective concerns are discussed and addressed. Business buy-in depends on uh, a robust process for policy review, in my view. Um, and the, the other benefit of the policies and procedures uh, you know, review program is you can always, obviously, you maintain a code of con current code of conduct, current policies and procedures are current, and then you make them accessible across the company. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a sort of unitary policy management framework then uh, in, is used through the dashboard and then made available through the intranet. So, Employees have easy access to it. They realize what's new, what's not. They get access to the current uh, processes and then they are policies and procedures. And then they're aware of the review or management process. And they may raise issues with their supervisors who in turn will raise it uh, with the business representatives to the policy management review committee. Um, so that's one great uh, process to sort of create and promote so that you can uh, get to this, uh, get to this point where you get more business buy-in. Um, and you also have to commit to measuring the effectiveness of your policies and procedures uh, and, and the system. Uh, and co companies often here rely on culture measurements, internal audit reviews, compliance audits, transaction testing, and other ways to sort of uh, monitor their policies and procedures. One last note, uh, and it's just a short note about technology, is uh, with regard to training programs and internal communications. Um, we have new technologies for training. Uh, companies obviously are developing innovative programmings using live, web-based, and real-time even video communication systems to implement uh, engaging topics and testing programs. 
There's more that's going on in this area, and frankly, it's becoming almost like an entertainment system to keep people's interest, give them short bursts of information. That's one idea. But there always is a benefit to uh, live training, and you should prioritize the live training uh, to those uh, higher-risk activities. Well, that's all we have for today on uh, this topic. We'll be back next week. Uh, uh, Derci from uh, Sicily here, and uh, we're going to be in. Uh, my family's going to be in, uh, in Sicily for the next couple of months. Uh, thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.vocallaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at vocallaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.